0: Welcome to New York's Finest Retired and Unfiltered Podcast. The mission of this podcast is to explore the life and experiences of those who at one time held a front row ticket to the greatest show on earth, policing the streets of New York City. This show hosts a wide variety of guests from all walks of life and professions, but remains centered around introducing retired members of the NYPD to our audience, while having real unfiltered discussions. Please tune in each week and like and subscribe to hear true crime stories and opinions
1: on past and present events like you never heard them before. next piece of video is at the second scene. It was taken from that
0: surveillance camera that was mounted overhead, and it does show the worst of the beating. Tyree Nichols being struck with a baton, kicked in the head, and repeatedly sucker punched in the head and face. Now, this video is silent.
1: We want you all to watch this. There's really nothing more to be said about it. Here it is. Welcome to New York's Finest, Retired and Unfiltered Podcast, everybody.
0: Um, So what we just saw on the video is we just saw a man being beaten. I mean, I didn't see any type of police work being done there. I saw this was from the overhead view of the video we just put up. Um, I'm going to edit some of this for the audio. But when we're looking at the overhead view of it, it'll be on our YouTube. It'll be on our Rumble. It'll be on our Telegram. When you look at the overhead view of that, what you see is a man being thrown around like a rag doll by five other men you don't see whether he you want to say that he's resisting um he's definitely doesn't appear to be in any manner that any one of those men are having a hard time doing whatever they would like or please to him you could see at times where only one of them is punching him and kicking him and other officers are actually stepping back it's not actively officers getting in there to overcome and an assault you know and uh, i think i think me and eric have spoke on it numerous times that There's a difference between resisting arrest and actively being in a violent struggle. He doesn't appear any longer to be violent. He doesn't even appear anymore to be actively resisting arrest. At one point, they stand him up in handcuffs and you clearly see uh, one holding him while, while another officer comes over and they take turns punching him in the face. When he's down on the ground, you see officers come over, kick him in the head. You see officer come over, smack him with his baton repeated blows and strikes. I mean, I seen complete thuggery. I didn't see anyone that resembles a police officer, anyone that deserves to wear a uniform or a badge. Uh, It's my contention that diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, hiring, hiring, lowering standards where we're allowing criminal behavior, not only prior to law enforcement, but during law enforcement, as well as uh, abhorrent acts on the job to continue to let someone work and be and be a police officer in, in a, a trusted institution that unfortunately is is the talk of so much scrutiny always, but so much today. You know, today police officers are demonized. Um, people watch that video, how could how could how could you how could you defend those officers? And uh, me and Eric held a, a Twitter space last night. And we did have some people defend the officers. And, um, you know, I, I'll just preface the whole thing before I hand it over to Eric, is I don't know the exact cause of Tyree Nichols' death because the investigation's not complete. There hasn't been a toxicology and there hasn't been an ME's report. Uh, until, the, until then, I will not say whether these men are guilty of murder or manslaughter or whatever you want to say, but I will say that there is absolutely no way those men should be in uniform. They didn't act like cops. They didn't present themselves as cops. They, that was that looked like a gang assault. That looks like something that I see on New York City streets every day that you say, where the hell are the cops and what's Eric Adams doing? That's what that looked like to me. That looked like a gang assault. And, you know, I, mm-hmm. I don't believe that they deserve to be officers. Eric, Eric what you, would you see in that video? Absolutely.
1: There's so much meat on the bone when it comes to this video the influence that politicians, the media, and the public had, and also the environmental emotions that are surrounded with this in regards to the video. But the first message that I want to send to my police officers out there, especially my cops, it's an honor to be called a cop, to have the name Cop. None of us that have earned the title or the nickname Cop should be embarrassed or ashamed or humiliated By this video. This video is an isolated incident. However, I do feel that this could be an upcoming epidemic, something that John and I have discussed. We talked about this on previous podcasts. And here at New York's Finance Retired Unfiltered Podcast, we predicted this. If you go back and listen to our, our diversity, equity, inclusion podcast, the events leading up to this mirror the stuff that we had talked about. Ultimately, in this video, what we see is what I refer to as the post-George Floyd hiring effect. All right? Because 100% to my cops out there, you're not watching cops on this video. When I watched this and I dissected it, prior to watching it, I'm going to admit I was praying. I was praying that everyone was wrong and these cops acted appropriately. That's what I was praying for. Because I always want to give the cops the benefit of the doubt. Because I say to myself, when a cop is doing his job, that cop is me. I expect the cop to be a reflection of the way I would do police work. Whether it's in New York City or any city around the country. And I know John expects the same. So I was, in, I was hoping and I was praying that, brace myself, before I see this video, everyone's going to be wrong. I mean, if we look... For look back and let's reflect back on the viral incident that would happen to one-to-one prison where a white police officer in Staten Island was on camera deploying strikes to a female youth perpetrator. And that one, we were met with extreme amount of opposition because I, myself, and John had sided with that police officer. We dissected, we watched it, we both had determined that he acted appropriately. He did his job, but he did his job with a mission and he moved and he acted as a cop. And when I watched that video, that's exactly what I saw. I said to myself, I'm not embarrassed by this video one bit. I don't see five cops. I see five thugs that, plain and simple, should never have been hired. And I'm confident because that post-George Floyd hiring effect, prior uh, prior to the George Floyd incident, that event, these men in that video would not have been hired. Now there's one person in that video that has five years on the job. Okay, so that's questionable. Now we could talk about his hiring process, and maybe maybe he's a good cop, and he's been influenced by his the environment along with it. That takes a that takes a part with the way they're they're policing. But what did they also lack there that also does take an effect on that senior officer in that video is supervision. So. The anti-crime unit was disbanded June 15th of 2020, which was a knee-jerk reaction in response to the George Floyd incidents and also the pandering to the public, the politicians, the media, and the angry mob by our predecessor, former police commissioner Dermot Shea. And now, what? how the anti-crime unit operates so effectively, I was an anti-crime sergeant, I was also a special operations lieutenant. When we operate in plain clothes, and you see these guys in this video, these thugs, they're wearing some type of quasi-type of quasi-type anti-crime uniform. They're not completely in plain clothes; they do have some insignia that says police, but they're moving around in not particular police uniforms. And when you're operating that manner, especially a woman on marked cars, you need extreme amount of supervision. It's checks and balances, and we lack with this team supervision. And what I also see is lack of training. They did not move like cops. John, you and I talk about this all the time. We were talking about this video. They did not move like cops. They did not have a sense of purpose. There was no mission. As you said, while one is deploying strikes, one is just kind of walking around, catching his breath. There was no mission that, hey, we have to get this guy in cuffs and get him in the car so that we can bring him to the precinct and quell this problem. But no, they were just getting their licks. And at some point, it almost looked at to me as the adversary, who now met his demise, may he rest in peace, that he, his body kind of went limp. So, there is different levels of resistance. And I'm going to say it. You can Google it. You can see as the most complete cop, I've had numerous encounters where I've deployed strikes. You could actually check it out on YouTube and Google it. Now, the difference is, I was deploying those strikes with a sense of purpose, with a mission to overcome resistance, to overcome aggression, or to retrieve that illegal firearm to get someone into custody. There's no emotion involved. And you can clearly see in this video. There's emotion involved. And John, you and I had spoken about this. We suspect that there might be some type of prior relationship because it looks like there's way too much emotion involved. And as a police officer and a cop, when you're conducting business, especially in a violent nature, you have to detach yourself from the emotion. And it's a job like anything else. You have to put this person in cuffs to bring them into custody as quickly and safely as possible. And that is part of de-escalation. The de-escalation is getting that job quickly and getting this person into custody as quickly as possible. So complete failure. But again, my message to the cops out there, this is no reflection on you if you're a good cop. This is a reflection on the politicians creating legislation that has diminished the police departments throughout the entire country, which has caused a mass excess. And now the departments within have pandered to their politicians and the media and the public by targeting their hiring process in minority areas to create this illusion of diversity. Now, John and I have always said this, that should not be the target of recruitment. The target should be the most suitable candidates and organically, the departments will be diverse. You can just see New York City Police Department is the most diverse police department in the country. I, myself, I worked with Asian, Dominican, Puerto Rican, Black, Jewish, Italian, all walks of life, and we work together as one in unison. Now, I don't understand diversity. In this particular video, I see five Black police officers acting together. So that's not diversity. That's just pandering to the Black and Brown community. Now, I'm, I'm fine. If those were the most suitable five black candidates, absolutely, they should bear that uniform. But obviously, after watching that, those were five thugs. They probably would not pass the hiring process pre-George Floyd. And this, unfortunately, is going to be an epidemic, and I'm sure we will see this again because we've lowered the standards, and our hiring process is just a pander to the public to say, hey... Well, we now have 50% black and brown. We have 20% black and brown. And this is the, the byproduct, and this is the result.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's so many things that this is a result of. There's so many different factors that come into play in this. Um, I watched a few police experts on the news. i, I got to be honest. I stopped watching the news two years ago, three years ago. <laughs> But I had to I had to watch when, when the thing got released because honestly, they built up from everything that we were seeing. They built this up into a powder keg. So I just had to see what the narrative was in mainstream. And when I watch the news, I don't watch Fox. I watch Fox. I watch CNN. I watch MSNBC. I want to see what the overall narrative, I want to see what the back and forth is. And, and most times when I watch the news, yep. I look at everyone's point of view and my point of view is completely different than what is being said on TV. I, I try to take myself out of out of what I'm being told on either side. Um, usually, when I watch CNN and MBC, I say they're full of shit. And then when I watch Fox, I'll be honest. I think they're closer to reality. I think they're closer to reality, but I think there's a, also a spin on a lot of the shows that you would watch on Fox. And I believe there's a narrative always being painted, and the build up and and the movie premiere. Type of presentation where we seen a police chief, um, a black woman who was fired from a previous department for trying to for for trying to uh, cover up, trying to have one of her detectives cover up uh, a case involving uh, pedophilia you know of a friend she knew and she was fired from that department and now we see she's in charge of memphis tennessee chief of police you know i i can't imagine in any way shape or form how this woman um could ever be hired as a chief of police anywhere and and without like she's going to be the end-all be-all i mean i i after exhibiting a behavior like that where you try to cover up an investigation into where a child was sexually assaulted, I mean, why why is there any reason that she is the police chief other than she is a black woman? You know, um, I gotta say, I'll give a big, big shout-out to Keychan Sewell. She's handled herself professionally during this time. I do believe that, you know, although I've said numerous times that I don't believe she is has been given the reins to properly run the NYPD. I don't believe that she is, she's more of a figurehead than anything. You know, the times that that things need to be said, it's Eric Adams saying them and not her. But I do, but my knock on Key Chan Sewell is that I do believe that she is a rookie in the executive ranks. And I had a big problem with the statement that the police commissioner needs to be a black female. Now, if Key Chan Sewell was the best candidate, then by all means, Keychan Chan-Sewell should be the police commissioner in the NYPD. But was she the best candidate? I can make contention that there were many men and women in the police department that have many more years of experience in leadership in high ranking executive roles that were more qualified to be the police commissioner than Keychan Chan-Sewell. But we got the message that it has to be a black woman. And I'm not going to knock her because I, I read her statement and it was it was a statement that I would have put out word for word. You know, there was no inflammatory remarks in it. There was no calling for outrage. She just basically said that, you know, and I'll, I'll read it. I'll read it. Uh, I didn't I don't have it pulled up right now, but I'll, I'll read it for everybody. But there were no inflammatory inflammatory remarks like we heard from the police chief in atlanta georgia so i mean first off you know and and so where where i'm going with this is i'm talking about the overall leadership has been diminished due to the diversity equity and inclusion push especially in memphis tennessee memphis tennessee we're seeing that you have a police chief who doesn't even deserve a badge you know, you try to cover up pedophilia. Do, do we entrust this person to act morally, civilly? I mean, I don't want that person policing me. I don't want my children riding their bike. I don't know how this person's gonna act and 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 who she's associating with, you know? And, that, and that's a big part of the diversity, equity, inclusion thing that we don't talk about is the criminal activity that we allow amongst our ranks in the police department. You know, we've had guys that were arrested for DWI or were arrested for being in a bar fight, or were arrested for being a youth and getting into a fight in school and college. And it was, you know, some I mean, fights can't be avoided, you know, some fights just can't be avoided. Sometimes you have to fight, and that is being morally correct. Although you have to deploy violence like me and Eric constantly talk about that, you know, where we, we defended the, 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 the police officer in the one and we still defend him because he did nothing wrong. He was overcoming an act of assault. He was being punched in his face and he assaulted her. He didn't continue to beat her on the ground when she was on the ground. He didn't deploy strikes while she was limpless and have have his, the guys and girls that he was working with hold her up so he could punch her in the face and kick her in the head. No, he punched her in the face a few times. She was uninjured. He brought her immediately to the hospital. She didn't even have a scratch on her face as the New York Post was trying to get her to tell the story. It's a completely different incident, and and we need to take incidents as a whole. But when we're allowing criminality and we're allowing people who have taken in egregious acts of crime and who continue to criminally associated with known criminals, not Roger Stone, people that go out on the street, rob people, beat people, sexually assault people, um, sell drugs, uh, use drugs, all of these things, we're we're going to see by doing that, we're going to see a lot more hate against our police department for the community. And it's going to be deserving because when you see acts like that, you say there, this is a corrupt institution. This is not something I trust. These people are not protecting and serving anyone other than
1: themselves and their friends in the neighborhood. Well, John, th- last night. You and I spoke and you were pretty adamant on on the Twitter space and how this was this was the premiere to a movie. I mean, this was theatrical. And, and I can't agree with you more. And, and so during on the on this Twitter space that, that we had, which was which is an open conversation and meant to bring up ideas and give our, our, our subjective opinion and also our expert opinion in regards to this incident another and other incidents. And what John had highlighted and a hundred percent I agree, is that this was theatrical, and the chief statement was the premiere. It was the coming attractions to the movie, and and, and what I say is I, I compare this to, this was this was hype that was built up. It was almost like if you're watching a, a UFC fight that's coming up, and we and, and we constantly get commercials, and we talk about it. We build up the excitement for it, or the Floyd, Floyd and Maywe- uh, Mayweather uh, and Pacquiao fights, and we built up this influential, it's almost like advertisement and marketing. And unfortunately, in this case, this buildup is to create havoc and violence. And and we see it, right? Because this incident happened in January 7th. So here we are now, it's the 29th. The, re- the, the video was released on the 27th. So that was 20 days, but that's 20 long days as everyone's bracing themselves. And every day, the media is extremely influ- influential to the public right so there's so much emotions that are being surrounded and we're being emotionally charged by an incident that no one has av- no one had actually seen up until the 27th so for that 20 during those 20 days for the opposition the anti rhetoric the antifa blm these other organizations even decentralized organizations, decentralized organizations or people that just just have a disdain for cops they're building up this rage for video that they haven't seen that has been cultivated by these chiefs within the police departments and the politicians and the cops are also being influenced by this environment that's being built up to feel that they have to now hinder their job and be handicapped even more and they're also in fear of being the next one that's highlighted on some video so we were preparing ourselves Embracing ourselves, almost like we're a great adventure on the ride, and what what we're we about to see. And, and this is a this is a complete this is completely irresponsible on behalf of our entire country that we got to this point. That video in a day of transparency, especially with body cameras, should have been released immediately. So that's that's one part we'll have to I have to side with the LAPD. In regards to their three critical incidents that had happened in a week, they released the body cam footage right away. So that quells the problem there. I didn't agree with everything that the chief statements had been made. I do believe they were pandering to the public and leaving it ambiguous and doubt so that in case they have to penalize their police officers to pander to an angry mob, they left that window open. But they did release it right away and they quelled the problem. And the chief statement Uh, I mean, at the 11 o'clock hour, right before this video is getting released, was to me, was the moment she struck and she lit that match. It it was inflammatory, exactly what you said. Her statement was subliminal messages. I I don't believe that she said, hey, go out there and commit violence, but she said, don't commit violence. Go out there, when you protest, act appropriately. It's almost like if I tell my kid Hey, don't do that. Well, guess what? He's going to do it. So that it, it, this just was completely influential, environmental. John, you said this on a Twitter Space last night. I agree with that. Also, is that we're all pawns in this game. The information that was been, has been put out there and perpetuated was to make us feel a certain way. Our emotions were charged a certain way, myself included, because I was feeling hopeful and doubtful. I said, "No way." No way did these five police officers, especially in this day and age, with body cameras, with cameras everywhere. I mean, I used to tell my cops, even before body cameras, you have to operate in a manner, and you have to assume there's a camera everywhere, on every angle. You always have to act appropriately, because you may be critiqued. Not because we're afraid of what we're doing, because you're going to be critiqued on your police work. Because this is a very, this is a very critical profession. But we're at a point where the chiefs of these police departments are pandering to their politicians. And ultimately this buildup, I believe is to create more legislation to break down the foundation of policing within this country and get to a point that we're going to remove qualified immunity. That was mentioned with president Biden in response to this incident, to this event. And that's the ultimate goal to get to the point of qualified immunity. Once we remove qualified immunity, our profession is dead. They would have to revamp this completely and start over. 100% qualified immunity is our last stand. If that gets removed for our police officers throughout the country, it's over. And we would have to find out another way to do this. I, myself, I just had to pay $1,500 of my own money to someone that I had stopped working in the confines of PSA 7 in New York City, in the South Bronx, for someone I suspected that they had a firearm. Ultimately, I was wrong. And this person did not have a firearm. But that's not the point. The point is that we acted appropriately, professionally. We stopped someone. We suspected had all the indicators, the mitigating factors, everything mirroring prior encounters that we had, which led to the possession of a firearm. In this case, I was wrong. The actions weren't wrong. The approach, the Approach wasn't wrong, but because the civilian complaint review board, that complaint was substantiated, and ultimately the police department would not indemnify me in a lawsuit. So I had to pay out of my own money. It was actually 3000 The union had picked up half. But I had the point is I had to pay out of my own money. But if we get to a point that qualified immunity is removed, then not only will po- police officers will not be paying that check on behalf of the city of New York, you'll be paying that sh- check on behalf of Eric Dim and now you're liable to lose your house, your car, and all your property because you're not being sued on behalf of the city of New York. You're being sued personally liable on yourself. That's not a way to conduct police business. Civilian Complaint Review Board has qualified immunity. Most of these organizations in our democratic cities have qualified immunity, but we expect our police officers to do a job like this without qualified immunity. Not at all. And this incident is no reflection of police work. This is an isolated incident. These are five five men that should not have been hired. This is an opportunity, and my message to the chiefs around this country is to reevaluate your hiring process. And anyone that has been hired post-George Floyd, we need to look back, and we need to do a a background check and reevaluate who we hired here. And I'm confident that if we do that, we're going to seek out those that should be weeded out that should not be in this profession.
0: Yeah, I think I think it came out that all of the officers, all of the officers did not go the route of the normal hiring process for the Memphis PD. They weren't properly vetted and to get whether it be friends, whether they have friends on the job and they skip the process and that's how they went through or or where we need to push diversity. Again, the lie of diversity, because what is the ultimate goal of diversity? I don't know. You know, when 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 cops were being fired over the vaccine mandate and leaving, Eric Adams said this is a great time to diversify the police department. A diverse police department, a police department that if you look at the percentage makeup of New York City, matches almost exactly organically before diversity, equity, inclusion push ever came in. It matched the demographics of the city organically by hiring the best people. The job was diverse by hiring the most competent people. The job was diverse. And, you know, so. We're, we're in an age now where Eric's saying, yeah, the ultimate goal is to remove qualified immunity. And I have to say I agree with Eric. What they used, what they waited so long for was first I, – I tweeted about it two weeks ago where I said, you know, I, Eric sent me the article. I said, wow, I wonder why this isn't in the news. and <laughs> You know, and I, now I kick myself in the ass for putting that out there because I feel like maybe, maybe some of the stuff that I, you throw into the air actually catches because what I think they realize now is, well, if we could show this to the public and still continue to paint the narrative that while police are systemically racist, that even black police, even black police hate black people in order to sow the seeds of division and fan the flames of hate among between community and police the ultimate goal has been succeeded because now it doesn't matter nothing matters facts don't matter nothing matters it's going to be the police hate black people complete utter lie complete utter lie you know these five men whether they acted personally or they acted out of incompetence have been arrested have been terminated Justice has been had, you know, and, and I keep saying, you know, I, I, I understand people coming out and maybe holding a candlelight vigil. I don't understand the calls for no justice, no peace. I don't understand the calls for all cops to I don't understand for pigs in a blanket, fly, fry like bacon. I don't understand all of these fucking anti-cop bullshit because justice has been had to this point to this point it has been had um and my my fear my fear honestly is that down the road these guys wind up getting off I, that's my fear because and 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 it would it would blow the narrative right that would be a powder keg that it all see because what we clearly saw on video was someone being beaten aggressively and savagely beaten for no purpose mm-hmm. For no ultimate goal of putting them in handcuffs. And I got to say right now, if qualified immunity is pulled, anybody that remains in the New York City Police Department, you are out of your fucking mind. You have to immediately put your papers in and leave. immediately. I'm going to give you several scenarios where you will lose your house and you will be sued. One, you respond to a 911 call. You respond to a 911 call and the mail is dead prior to your arrival from a drug overdose. you call the ambulance when you get there you wait for the me you do all the necessary paperwork for a DOA you follow all procedure. the family sues you because they said you didn't you he died as a result of your response as a result of your inaction while your response there you are gonna foot your own bill. You're going to foot your own lawyer bill, foot your own bill, and if that lawsuit is successful, you're going to pay out of pocket, whatever that may be. And by the way, I, I searched around when this started getting talked about. I cannot find an insurance company that will give us a, a malpractice insurance for law enforcement. I've searched high and low. I did this while I was still on the job. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to assume that risk. Because they know the variable is the courts in New York City settle out with everybody. And they know what they'll be doing. What they'll be doing is paying millions of dollars. It's bad money. It's bad. The way that city corporation council and the New York City handle lawsuits and the way the city sued is awful. 99 point, I forget what it was, like 7%. They do not even take to court. They just cut the perpetrator, or the person suing the city a check. Um, it's awful. That will be you. You 99.7% of the times when you're sued, you will be cutting the, the, the defendant a check. And it won't be $1,500, Eric. Your whole salary will go to that person. Not only that, is if you decide to quit and retire or do whatever at that point, it doesn't matter. You still have to pay the money. It doesn't matter. They'll, they'll garnish your bank account. They'll hold liens on your house. You, you, If they pull qualified immunity and you stay in the policing, you're a fucking idiot. Because, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. And then qualified immunity, no, not. abolishing the police. It's I, I'm, I'm, I will tell anyone this. You are a fucking moron. You know who's going to tell you don't worry? The lawyers in one PP. Oh, no, that's not what it means because I had a lawyer tell me that. That's not what that means. Don't worry about it i was like oh yeah you're not worried about it because it's never going to happen to you you're comfortable in in one police plaza you w- walk up in the morning you drink your coffee you watch the news and you critique what other what other people have to go out there and do every day to keep you safe for the bubble that you live in so yeah you don't have to worry about it the police officers on the street have to worry about it so and i do agree with eric it's qualified immunity and and i'll give you one other thing we, we, Me and Eric were throwing out there the whole time of the buildup. This is a buildup. This is planned and calculated and coordinated. And we're being led into a powder keg. We're being led into a volatile situation. Don't fall for it. And we call for it. And Copwatch actually started taking my tweets and putting them up. And they actually put a message on there saying, hey, this looks like a movie premiere. This looks like they're building us up to do something stupid to all my black and brown people. Be smart. And I sent them a message. I sent them a message and I said, I'm glad you're starting to see we're all part of the same hypocrisy. I'm glad you're starting to see it, you know, and uh, and, and, and I really do believe it. We're all part of the same hypocrisy and we're being used as pawns. We're being used as pawns in this game. And, and, and I'm, I'm imploring my cops not to fall for it. And not only the cops, but the civilians. Because it's fucking bullshit. Take acts of individual acts and treat them how they need to be treated. Stop painting the broad picture over fucking law enforcement, over the 800,000 people in law enforcement. Stop painting strokes over people. We would never – if I seen that savage beating and that was Italian kids in California beating one little Chinese kid to death, does that mean that every Italian kid – across is bad and we need systemic change and and there's a systemic problem in law enforcement no there's a problem with those individuals did was the response to that act correct and and how do we prevent it going further how do we prevent it going further you, you eliminate criminality in police departments and you hire the best candidates and you support the best candidates and you support people that were involved in thousands and thousands and thousands of interactions and responded to thousands of 911 calls and responded and 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 actually stopped individuals in the street where times it's very easy for your emotions to get involved and did it. And they exhibited that type of leadership and senior leadership like me and Eric lost valuable, invaluable, uncountable experience would only up to. I speak to people all the time. I could start my own police department. New York City is now beginning, neighborhoods are now beginning to look to hire police officers to off duty, to patrol their neighborhoods. That's how bad it's getting. When all, all New York City needed to do is support people like Eric Dim, support people like myself, support people like you. Not support bullshit and criminals under the guise of we're diversifying when we don't even know what the goal of diversity is.
1: I want to touch on some of the stuff that you said because the points that you're making are fantastic. The first thing I want to talk about is the big elf in the room because John and I had our New York's Finance Retirement Filter podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We've been met with some opposition. and The opposition was this, that we don't feel bad about the incident and that we're kind of playing this down. And that's not what we're saying here. I don't think the people are listening. What John is saying, and I agree, just as I read in Colin Powell's book, and Colin Powell was a great man. He was a leader, and that's what we expect from our leaders throughout the nation from these police departments, what we're not getting. And what Colin Powell used to say, and I'm a firm believer in, is get mad, get over it. What that means ultimately is that you act swiftly. Punishment and discipline should be sworn. It, it should, the sword should come fast, quickly, hard, and immediate, and then we move on afterwards. And that's what John is saying here. These cops were thugs, and I call them thugs because they were not cops. They were suspended immediately, fired immediately, and within days or weeks, which is a short time, they were charged. So I, I do believe justice was met. And that fits what Colin Powell says, is you get mad, take action, and we get over it. That means we move on now on how to make things better for that department, to make sure that we don't have other police officers in that manner who should not be wearing the uniform, but to ignite a flame for an incident that was isolated. Because if the the public believes that these guys are infectious, to the entire country of the profession, I mean, the, we we I, we obviously have a breakdown of information, and exactly we what you said, we're pawns in this game to believe that these five guys are going to be infectious to every cop. They believed that Derek Chauvin, one man, was going to be infectious to the entire profession, and now these co- these cops who should never have been hired are infectious to the entire profession. But no, if they didn't create this animosity towards police. and know the breakdown of legislation, the breakdown of hiring, and this whole push for diversity. These five men would have never been hired and this young man would, would still be alive today. It's unfortunate to say that. May he rest in peace. But we have to speak about the reality here. The second thing I'd like to point out is I'm pretty confident that the opposition that we will meet, and I'm talking about the big elf in the room here, is they're going to say that John and Eric are racist, they're right-wing extremists because that's what we hear from Copwatch. And maybe maybe they don't say it about you, John, but they say it about me. I know they said it before, they call me a proud boy. They say I'm a right-wing extremist. I think it's kind of funny because I'm actually Jewish, so they have no idea. And it's funny, one of these Copwatch losers calls himself rabbi. He was a total loser um, and a coward because he doesn't even put his real name out there. But in any case, what they're going to say is the white police officer, the one-to-one precinct, John and Eric side with him because he's a white cop. But John and Eric watch that video and they don't side with them because they're five black cops. That is absolutely, absolutely not the case. I just want to get that out there before anyone even says it. When we watch a video, we emotionally detach ourselves and, and say to ourselves, how would we operate? And an, an it's in the one to one precinct. That's how we would operate. Just to show you race is not involved. The incident prior to that where a black police officer in Harlem had deployed a strike to a female that had punched him in the face, we sided with him too. But in this case, with these five police officers, I do not side with them because they did not act like cops. They did not act appropriately. They acted like thugs. So when we watch a video and we make an expert critique, it's based on wearing that uniform, not who you are in that uniform. John gave a great great explanation, John. If you don't mind, I, I tell the public what you said. On, on Twitter Space, when you talked about how you uh, found yourself getting emotionally hooked and you had to be pulled back. So what John had talked about in Twitter Space, and this has happened to all of us, but he talked about when he was brand new and he was in the car with a seasoned officer and uh, a young male was walking across the street. And, and it happened to be a black male he was working in a predominantly black neighborhood. He sucked his teeth at him, kind of shrugged his shoulders, give, give it a, you know, encouraged him to get into a fight. And John said he took it personal, and he got out of, he got out of the car and said, what, what are you looking at? And the seasoned cops said, get back in the car. What the hell are you doing? That's not how we act. And, 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 and at, that, at that point, he realized, you're right. We're, we're, we're professionals. We're supposed to emotionally detach ourselves. This is not personal. What the seasoned police officer had told John, which is so important, and that's the message that we're saying, he's not yelling at you, John McCary. He's, he's yelling and sucking his teeth at the uniform at the authority. And that's what the police officers and the cops around the country have to understand. And that's why the NYPD is so effective And when it comes to being seasoned and and having thick skin. Because we deal with a large public that has an anti-police rhetoric and constantly we, we call names, this and that, and we learn to just let it roll off our shoulders because we understand that They're yelling at the uniform and not the person inside it. Um, But unfortunately, we're coming to a point now where we don't have those seasoned police officers because of a mass exodus. It's so important to have veteran police officers to coach our young police officers, to groom them, to act appropriately, and to also have supervision. And supervision is good, but it's very important that we have seasoned officers as well. There's certain things seasoned officers can do with a police officer and groom him in a correct manner – that the supervisor can. So both checks and balances are extremely important and extremely important for this profession.
0: Yeah, I think I think what you're saying is is dead on. I mean, you have seasoned officers in a precinct that understand the demographic of that precinct, whatever the ethnic ethnic makeup of that that particular uh, area is you have seasoned officers that understand the neighborhood. They understand the criminals. They understand the culture, the environment of the neighborhood. And what Eric's talking about is, I had just got transferred after impact. I'm in a command. Uh, it's late at night. I'm driving a car. A young black male walks in front of the RMP. I'm in. I'm still in uniform at the time. In the in the car, and he slows down intentionally while I'm at a stop sign to walk in front of me, sucks his teeth at me, and is staring at me. And I got personally hooked. I jumped out of the car, and I said, what the fuck are you looking at? Um, Thank God it didn't escalate, and he walked away. But the senior cop said to me, who was the asshole there? You were. (laughs) Who was the asshole? He goes, you look like a fucking thug getting out of the car. What the fuck is wrong with you? Don't ever do that again. Don't ever do that again. He goes, you think he's he's saying it to you? He's looking at your car and your uniform. You have to let things like that roll over you. You have to let ro- things like that roll over your shoulder or you're not going to have a career in the New York City Police Department. You're not going to have a long, healthy career in law enforcement. And I sat there. And, and the other thing he said to me, he said, you think he's going he's gonna to look at you? You think a 120-pound kid is going to act tough with you when you're driving your personal car? No doing it to you you're 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 representing the city of new york like that's it Represent it properly don't act like a thug don't act like a street punk and and it sat with me and it carried me my whole career so when i see this video and i see someone fleeing from the police you know i understand that emotions could be involved i understand that your adrenaline's going to flow but that's not personal they're running from the police same way as when you talk to an when you talk to a, a suspect or a perpetrator and they're blatantly lying to you, but never got mad at it. I expected it. It was actually almost the opposite when someone was telling me and I was like, oh, this guy's not full of shit because I watched the video and I know what happened. And, and when when someone I was like, I was actually shocked. I was like, oh, wow, this guy's actually telling me the truth. You know um I was actually I so I never would get hooked with that either with someone lying to you. And I would see that a lot where cops would be like, he's fucking lying. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, of course he's lying. What's fucking <laughs> getting mad about it? I would lie too. You know, like it's fucking <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you what do you what do you want him to do? Like, what do you want the parents to do? Of course they're gonna defend their children. Don't take it personal, you know what I mean? And and what so what when when the person fled when when he attempted to evade the police and there was a car pursuit. Whatever that was, a traffic infraction, whatever happened, that transpired that suspected that he was in a stolen car, whatever it was, he flees the scene. Obviously, at that point, the initial stop there is going to be aggressive, right? You should approach that stop in an aggressive manner, you know, guns out, take him out aggressively where you see his hands, get his hands and get him handcuffed. That is de-escalation. At the time, if he is resisting arrest and you're deploying strikes to overcome that, I would 100% back that every time. I don't. I don't expect anyone to put their life in danger and roll the dice and say, "Just see what happens when he does that." Just see what happens and wait. Wait till the first shot gets fired at your head, and then you, and then you could take action. I don't expect that at all. You know, I expect an aggressive approach. I expected the situation to be de-escalated by not allowing the perpetrator to bring it to the level where more and more violence and levels of force need to be used to overcome his resistance or possible assault. What you need to do, and there was enough officers on scene at that point when he was on the ground that his hands could have easily been put behind his back. And I'm the first to say, that violent struggles are not what they appear to be Are not. They're not what you see in the movies. They're very, very fluid. It's very hard to handcuff someone. But they clearly were a lot larger than him, a lot stronger than him. You could see them throwing him around like a rag doll. And what I see on the video, which really disturbs me, not the video I shared that was silent. That was the overhead view. But the video of the body camera, what I see is he gets maced continually over and over again. And and they keep saying, give me your hands, give me your hands, give me your hands. Almost as if they are acting for a movie. Because if I spray you in the face, I do not expect you to give me your hands. I would expect your hands to go directly to your eyes, which is a natural reaction. In between spraying him in the face and saying, give me your hands, give me your hands, give me your hands. You see strikes to the face, boom, strikes to the face. Give me your hands, give me your hands, give me your hands. What? What is the natural human reaction when someone's punching you in the face? Is it to put your hands behind your back? No, it's to cover your face. And that's what he was doing. And that's why I sit there and I say that they were thugs. And I do believe that if we go back and we look at the five years and the two years of body cameras and the incidents they handled and we speak to witnesses, you're going to see five people that were unsupervised due to incompetence in leadership and someone that would never have been a chief. It was only hired because she was a black woman. And these are the results of what happens and failures all around. And where was their sergeant when they put over the pursuit? Where was their sergeant? When after they had the car stopped and let everyone know. Where was the supervision? Because I want to know that too. Because I guarantee you that sergeant wasn't where he should have been. I guarantee he wasn't at work or he wasn't where he should have been. Competence and corruption is ripe because of the lie of diversity, equity, and inclusion. We're not hiring the best. We're lowering our standards and we're hiring thugs. And I, I would only... I would hate to see it, but I now I want to. I wanna I wanna look at those officers and see were they the people that we need that we need policing our streets? Is that the people that we need policing our streets? And Eric keeps saying they didn't move like cops. They didn't move like cops. And let me tell you something, there's a big, big thing to be said about that. Because what he's saying in their aura, in their aura, what he sees as they move. He sees thuggery. He sees violence. He sees criminality. He doesn't see well-trained professional police officers. And and you could talk to cops throughout time. You know, I, I if you ever watched the Michael Dowd video, the guy who was robbing fucking old ladies and drug dealers and selling drugs because he wasn't sure if he wanted to be a gangster or a cop. Um, and he was he was obviously a gangster and he was using he was using his authority as a cop because he's a coward. So he needed to use that to to create his uh, gangster per- persona and all that. And what the, the lead detective said is that when I went in to investigate Michael Dowd and he passed me, I didn't feel cop. I felt perp. I felt it as he walked by me, the way he moved, the way he talked, his whole aura, the, everything about him was perp because that's who we are, that's who our ethos. If you're a professional police officer and you're there to protect and serve, you will not strike someone unnecessarily. Maybe if you did in the heat of the moment, cause you misconceived that this person went to go punch you or he went to do this, you don't know, or he approached you too aggressively and you struck him or you thought he had a fire on him and you were wrong, but all the indicators were there. You know, that, that's that's policing, that's professionalism you know, there are going to be mistakes that are made from time to time, but they won't be repeated and they won't be excessive and they won't be over and over and over again. So, I mean, I think that's where we are in the in the current state. We are failing the citizens. We're failing the members in the department. We're failing the, the law enforcement professionals and it's being done on purpose.
1: That, that was well said, dude. I, I'm, I'm serious. I, I actually was going to say the same thing. I'm so happy you said it. It's 100%. I, to this day... Every time I watch that video, because I watch it so many times this short amount of time here, every time I watch it, I just said, I don't see cops. They just don't move like cops. I mean, I've watched videos constantly. I do my research for our podcast of watching videos. And we've watched videos throughout the the country. And sometimes some videos that are questionable by the public, and you and I say, well, everything looks good here. Right. Because they may not understand what they're looking at. And like you said, that, that happens plenty of times. That has happened with me, where in my narrative with the civilian complaint review board, where I had a, a violent perpetrator, I continued to deploy some strikes. And at some point they had freeze framed the body camera and said, well, at this point, One of your police officers was grabbing his arm and I never saw that. I just felt him continually fighting that's the that's a complete difference from what we saw in this video what we saw was just complete gang assault they didn't move like cops there was no sense of purpose they, I just didn't feel cop and I think we're going to see that more often we're not going to feel cop because these guys should have never banned the uniform obviously they're low to the standards they're not getting the training they're not being supervised all these things are key factors supervision is very important to checks and balances pretty confident whoever that supervisor was is exactly what you said he either wasn't paying attention or maybe he's just a weak supervisor and these guys walk all over him because i mean i I don't know what the uniformity was either what kind of team that was they were a mark car they all had different types of uniforms they all were wearing it differently they all moved differently and even just the way they moved they didn't move it into a team it was just like taking turns even the guy that has the baton the way he did it, it was just like, All right, can you move him out of the way so I could so do this? I mean, it just, it just wasn't effective. Did not move improper police training tactics that we know of. And obviously, in New York City, different cities throughout the country, we may have some different details of how we're trained, but the foundation and the basics always remain the same. They do. The fundamentals of policing remain the same. And anybody that's actually been in this profession knows that. And that's why there's a fraternal brotherhood and we all get along because we can all simulate and relate to each other. You know, unfortunate when there's a funeral and this is where police departments throughout the country meet up and talk. The foundation is the same. Even if you work in a small town or a big city, the foundation of policing is the same. We have different intricate details, but ultimately it's the same mission. The mission is to keep the peace, protect the public, bring someone in custody as safe, quickly and safely as possible to get them to court, to face prosecution for that crime. Um, uh, But like I said, again, this was built up, a built up narrative, you know, built up uh, of emotions over time to get an effect that they want to create more legislation. And the effect, I'm I'm a firm believer and I hate to say it, there is going to be more violence. They're just warming up at this point. Antifa, BLM, all these orchestrated, organized, funded movements are warming up. John, I, I said to you off camera, and I really believe this. I believe it's calculated, demonstrated where they burn out the police departments. They know that the police departments are at a dimin- diminished capacity. So the police departments are responding. They're working details. They're working 12, 15-hour tours. The same police officers are coming in the next day to work. But it's not the same pr- uh, protesters and rioters. We get 500 that are funded. They'll come to a, a location. They'll tire out these police officers. The, sec- the next day, those same police officers will be there and a different 500 rioters and protesters will be at the scene who are fresh. And eventually, they're going to burn out these police departments and that's part of that calculated response. I'm pretty confident. Well, I can say this. If I was a general in the military, if I was in charge of this organization, that's what I would do. And that's what they talk about the art of, of, of Sun Tzu. Fatigue your opponent. Tire them out. And that's what they're doing. And, and, and they have plenty of time. It, this is highly prepared and, and completely orchestrated, and there is more to come. And I'm honestly, I'm scared for our cops out there, because the cops that are out there right now have, have to understand, you have to be smart, that these police departments are putting you out there to address these rioters, but ultimately when it's all said and done and we come to a quill, the civilian complaints you're going to have to face them. Potential susp- suspensions, modifications, penalties, punishments. You're going to bear that. So this whole incident, again, always comes down on the cops. Because the Chiefs, if they're going to be held responsible liable for something, just like Monahan, they'll retire, they'll leave, and we won't see them again. But the cops, the low man on the totem pole, is has to bear the responsibility, the pain, and the accountability. And we see it now. Here we are. Three years later, post the George Floyd riots in New York City, and our cops are facing civilian complaints. We have an inspector who's, who's facing potential termination, and this is three years later. And the chiefs that were, were involved that gave the direction, especially Chief Monaghan, in that is nowhere to be found. Cowardly hiding, not having to face any of these potential discipline, or penalties, and or punishment, not standing up for these cops. Complete coward. Com- complete coward in this.
0: Oh, well said, you know, I was, uh, I was down in Florida yesterday. I'm in Florida. I'm walking with my family and I see a, a very high ranking member of the New York City police department walk towards me. I won't blow up his name, but he's in Florida at a height of, at the height of insanity in New York City and the potential chaos in New York City when by all means he should be down in New York City and not in Florida but i understand in a job like that you your job is 365 days 7 days a week so there's no need for the media or anybody to know who that was but my my point in bringing that up is i believe that he wasn't just down here on vacation he was down here looking for property to buy because he was looking to get out of New York City at the same time he's sitting up there at podiums telling you the great work that's being done by New York City Mayor Adams and the New York City Police Department, and how New York is going to be better than ever, and how this is going to be our Aaron Judge year, right? Um, so anyway, he saw me, It was he was like a ghost when he saw me, uh, but it's fine, you know, I'm not, like, I'm a lot of things, but, you know, and I, I call a lot of people out, but I like I said, I understand, your job's 365 days a year, there's... People need breaks, you know? People need to take off, even even in the executive ranks. People will burn out, and that goes for the police commissioner, and that goes for Eric Adams, too, even though I think he's doing an awful, awful job. No problem with Eric Adams going away for a weekend or taking some mental rest time or whatever he needs. It's a very stressful job. I understand that. But I have a problem with you diminishing the ranks of our police departments intentionally, like Eric's saying. I, I want to see his statements in the future because we now we heard after after i've said several times that he's never explained his arrest i've heard in the news recently now him saying well you know they took us into a basement me and my brother and beat us up in the police department now all of us had switched from that he was just beaten because he was black to now him and his brother were taken in the basement of a police department and beat him. um and and I do believe he fans the flames a lot, the flames of resentment, the flames of systemic racism. And, you know, the whole continued push for diversity and the whole continued push is not a professional stance. It's not a stance that anyone should support, including black and brown officers or black and brown people in general. I got into an argument with a co-worker of mine. Very tall black male. He's well built. He's built like a brick shit house, for lack of better words. He is a complete monster. He I look like a dwarf standing next to him. Athletically, he's much superior to my frame. He's big. I'm five nine. You know, I always worked out, but I'm a little guy. I'm not, I'm not a, a big giant guy. And when the when the lawsuit came out that the FDNY test was systemically racist, my friend was number one on the list. And they threw out the test because they said the the test was systemically racist. And the only thing the judge cited was sheer number alone, sheer number of black and brown people that passed that test and showed up for that test means that the test is racist, abhorrent decision. And he said to me at the time, he said to me at the time, no, that's good. That's a good decision. And I said to him, "Okay." I said, so I'm better than you. I'm smarter than you, I'm stronger than you, and I'm physically superior to you. And he looked at me and got super mad. And he was like, are you fucking kidding me? I was like, no, that's what you're okay with. You're telling me that I'm superior to you mentally, physically, emotionally, and you need to have a different test because you can't pass the test that I have to take. And he goes, no, I'm not saying that. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what you're saying. And he thought about it for a minute and he was like, you know what, you're right, you're right. You know." And, and we need to we need to start having real conversations and look at things without emotion in it the same way that me and Eric are saying that you, police officers need to take their emotion and their personal feelings out of things. It shouldn't be this scary to have ideas and thoughts and share them. And speak, speak with each other as professionals and as humans in a caring, compassionate, respectful manner. And, and you know, and like Eric said, you know, we've been painted as racist and, and cop watch recently. I guess that they're growing fond of me. They stopped calling me a KKK, proud boy, white nationalist, um, all that for the last like three or four weeks um actually unblock me on all that stuff even though i never at them or do anything they they attack me constantly and then put it in but in the last few weeks now they're saying you know oh we never called you that we never said that and i'm like no you did um you did um and, but uh, you know i'm not going to be deterred from from speaking my truth and 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 nobody should and none of us should and what we're seeing are lies and we're seeing our police leadership we're seeing our politicians avoiding real issues when it comes to race. The only time that we hear them speak on race is when we're demonizing police saying that they're doing bad stuff to black and brown communities and they're policing black and brown communities differently, which that is not true. And I have to just say one thing here. Broken windows theory was deployed in every community. Every community as a reaction to criminal behavior did were there more police and were there more incidents in co- in communities that had higher crime yes and that would have been true regardless of the ethnic makeup because we were combating crime we weren't combating black or brown so that documentary that that edwin raymond did crime and punishment and those other officers did the all lies all bullshit, right was was the NYPD pushing quotas on officers for enforcement. Yes, they were. Were they pushing quotas on officers to stop and arrest black and brown people? No, they were pushing quotas to deter criminality in high crime neighborhoods. And that was never pointed out. And I just need to, to highlight that, that that point on where it all started, when they started to go back, when New York City was the safest version of itself. Because we were deploying broken windows tactics. And here comes Bill de Blasio saying that the rift had started, the the divide had started. And look how fractured we are now that we can't even express our opinion that we're hiring criminals. We're hiring people. From what I'm hearing, they all have ties to the vice lords in, in Memphis, Tennessee, all five of those cops. Wow. They all have ties to the vice lords. I mean, that's not okay. That is not okay. It's not, it shouldn't be acceptable, you know, and that is why supervision needs to be had. Supervision needs to be competent. Supervision needs to be professional. It doesn't need to check a box. We need a black woman to do this. That's fucking bullshit. That is bullshit.
1: We need the best of the best, and I don't care what it is. You actually, you actually you're 100% right. And we could actually look at when, when the broken windows theory was addressed and we started when we had comps that in New York City, they addressed it in every neighborhood in New York City. Some was uh, was was a heavier presence of, of police, especially with our impact and our, our flood of police officers to hit the streets, but it was based on crime statistics. And unfortunately, most of these crime areas were minority black and brown areas, but there was an area that was a white neighborhood that was targeted that was heavily present. and that was Hell's Kitchen that was a white neighborhood that was in perils that was a high crime area that was highly addressed that was uh, an area that was encompassed by by the Westies. that was a white neighborhood that was heavily policed and addressed which stopped frisk uh, John you, you I'm sure you, you you're uh, you're probably aware of that and, and, and know about that area that was a, a predominantly white neighborhood that was policed that that had was known for crime i mean there was there's been so many movies that were surrounded by that area of hell's kitchen and that was a white neighborhood so it really debunks what they're saying when it comes to color as far as policing it was based on crime statistics and those crime statistics reflected a colored community they had to be policed and that's to help the residents that live there it's, it's it's unfortunate but crime statistics uh, unfortunately do match a majority of minority areas. It's just it's it's something that we've accomplished. I mean, that's a whole discussion we could have in another episode of, of of why that is. It's different different factors and people. It's been you know everyone has different opinions. I took a class. I was a history major in college about urban American blacks, and it talks about this kind of stuff. It talks about capitalism and racism and how it affects neighborhoods. I, I think that would be a great opportunity for us to discuss that on another podcast. But I, I, I am a firm believer that it was based on crime and wherever that crime was, that's where the police would go. Especially, uh, in, you know, in their presence. Uh, and again, you know, if these guys going back to what you said, if these guys had ties to vice lo- vice Lords, they should have never been hired a hundred percent. You shouldn't have any gang ties to get on the police department. Even if you, 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 change your life, you, you may have a connection that, you know, there's information within the police department, that we, can, we cannot have released to the public that has to remain classified into secrecy.
0: I mean, I, and again, and that's just, that's where this whole topic of race needs to start being discussed and needs to, when, and when it doesn't make any sense, when they tell you you're so racist that you can't help it, you're so racist you don't even know it, Cause that happened to me in the New York city police department. That that was a training that I received from a black Milwaukee police chief. And I laughed right in his face. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And he goes, let me guess, let me guess your ancestors weren't here. You're going to use that excuse. And I was like, no, nah. I said, my ancestors weren't here. And that's a fucking fact. That's not an excuse. I said, but please don't let me stop your presentation. Let me show me, sh- you know, show me all your, your, your fabulous studies. You know, that was
1: the, the fair the 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 fair and impartial training.
0: I, th- I think it was implicit bias.
1: But yeah, we talk about the Susan Boyle effect.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it was a fucking joke, you know. And I wrote a whole essay about it and how I didn't even feel like I was trained, nor did I understand that the point of the training. And I felt ostracized by the training. And you know, I never got received a, a thing by that. And I signed it. You know, it was anonymous. It was anonymous form, but I signed it, my name. Um, you know. And uh, I just I just thought like all that stuff started coming in under the pretense that we were racist based on policing high crime neighborhoods. Um, And and I just want to highlight that where the lies already seeped in, you know, where the where the where the division already started to be sown in in the police department in our own brains. And, you know, and I always and again, I'll always say we need to find ways to improve we need to find ways to improve we could always improve we could take a great product and get better i'm very highly critical of this podcast i you know i you know i always critique <laughs> eric myself And all that—it's just the way I am. I always did that in policing. I always did that after 911 calls. I—it's just—it's just just the way I am. I'm analytical. I look at events. I look at what went wrong. I look at what went good. I look at what could be better. And when we see that what happened here, we see poor hiring. We see untrained. We've seen unsupervised. We've seen lack of supervision. We've seen incompetent leadership on the top recipe for disaster in memphis the things i see right are after this incident swift action like eric said terminated arrested justice is being seen and how could we prevent it in the future right that's always the call how could we prevent that in the future i just went back and i labeled out to you hire the best people then they will grow into the ranks of supervision. The, the Amongst the rank and file, they will train themselves. And when you have competent leadership at the top, it will ensure that all of those checks and balances are working. That is truly the only way to prevent things like that from happening in the future. Are bad things going to happen? Yes. Hundreds of thousands of bad things are happening currently as we speak. And if you could tell me how to eliminate the littlest amount the, the very small amount of incidents that we have in the police departments across this nation and the abhorrent act that we've seen. If you could tell me how to eliminate it so it can never happen again, then you could tell me how to eliminate all the young black and brown kids that were killed this weekend and shot this weekend. Then tell me how to do that as well. Because you're failing over there and you're looking at something that's this big and trying to rip down systems that are in place that have worked for hundreds of years. And I, and, and, talking about well police departments stem from slave patrols. I'm like, what are you even talking about? And even and even black cops exhibit anti blackness. Are you fucking kidding me? Well they're actually absolutely wrong. You know, and anyone buying into that, you're a fucking moron. Like, honestly, you're a fucking moron. You're more than welcome to come on this show and tell me how slave patrols infected the mind of the current members in law enforcement or infected the current mind of 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 black officers in general. I mean, you know, it's time it's time we start to look at each other as humans. We start to judge each other by the content of our character and not the color of our skin because we're being used and we're being played and they're putting us together and they're shaking this fucking thing and it's going to explode. And guess who's going to lose? All of us.
1: Everybody. It's funny you say that because New York City Police Department was actually adopted from... Initially, it started out as Pinkerton. I don't know if you know. Pinkerton Security was actually the first police force for new york city but it was actually a security company they were privatized and they were actually there to combat the the the, all these robbers that they had on trains i mean these famous outlaws back then they called them outlaws they were all white they were all white the Pickington security company was out arresting these guys it was too much for them it became and eventually new york city adopted adopted the style from london and became the New York City Police Department, but all the perpetrators that they were pursuing at the time were all white, all white that were committing robberies on trains. So this completely dunks that the, the bunks. Every time I heard that, I said completely the bunks that that this slave patrol idea, this this theory. Yeah,
0: I had a. Uh... Uh, while eric was traveling i had a uh, pastor Jerome davison on if you guys get a chance check out that episode And he said something to me because I, I i keep saying we're growing criminals under the ideology of it's not right to prosecute uh to, to prosecute people for their crimes because they're victims of society and not treat them as individuals yet you know we're, and, and we're painting a broad brush over all of us as a society criminals aren't responsible for their actions and either our law enforcement, we're, law enforcement is just part of this racist system that makes them and leads them to this, you know? And it's the same thing that we're the same way we're treating criminals, it's not their fault. So we can't prosecute them. And what he said to me was, he said, Do you know how racist and demonic it is to take a young black child and move him through the ranks of school age without having them be? have the ability to pass that grade themselves. And we push them out and, we, and they make it all the way through high school without having basic reading or writing skills. And they get out into the workforce and they can't even write a fucking application. He's like, do you know how racist and demonic that is? And it's the same way going through. Like I, I spoke to Eric about it. I've said it on a, on a couple of interviews. At 11 years old, I was arrested for graffiti that I didn't do. I was just in the park. I was arrested for it. It's fine. I was wrong. I was sitting there, a bunch of idiots spray painting. I get arrested for it. I was 11 years old. They charged me a felony, criminal mis- uh, a felony criminal mischief. So I have a felony on my record at 11 years old. I go to the judge. I plead guilty because I was guilty. You know, I didn't know any better. My parents didn't really know um probably should have fought the case now knowing that it probably would have got thrown out they really had no evidence that i did anything i didn't have you know but whatever is what it is they give me probation for a year at 11 years old i went to a probation officer i had to write a letter about how sorry i was for doing the graffiti i never did i had to do all of these things right I had to go to, the, go to this pro, uh, probation officer and speak to them and tell them about myself and do all these things under the threat, under the threat that if I messed up during that time, I would be removed to... Uh, it was at the time, um, whatever the hell it was, um, that under the threat that I would be removed. And that deterred future criminality in me, in myself, because I always reflected on that thing. And now what happened at the end of the day, they wipe it down because I'm a juvenile, but I still have to report it till this day. When I go for gun license in any state, when I go for any type of law enforcement careers, I always have to reveal that I was arrested at 11 years old. And, you know, there were consequences for my action, but those consequences led me to leave a, a good, clean life—one that's people expect of a, of a male in America—to to live by a certain standard and certain way of living. And when you go outside of those societal norms, this is how you are. And we have to have keep these checks and balances in place to have a, a clean, moral society. If, if I, if, if I'll tell you right now, if that didn't happen. I would, I would, if I didn't have to go on probation, I didn't have to do any of those things. I wouldn't have learned the lesson that don't stay around idiots. Don't when you see bad things going on, leave. I wouldn't have learned that lesson. I'll tell you right now. I wouldn't have respect. I wouldn't have had a fear and respect of the police department. I wouldn't have had a fear and respect of my teachers and the law and the, and, and the morality in and society. And, and we're pulling all that down. And that is the true racist. Pastor Jerome Davis is right by not having consequences for people, by moving people through our system and propping them up into into positions they don't they don't deserve, and and walking them out and giving them awards and diplomas and positions and putting rookies, untrained, unsupervised rookies in our elite police department units. We that is the most racist thing because we're going to see failure, and that's what we've seen failure, systemic failure because of the systemic racism. <laughs> That was, pushed, that was pushed under the guise of diversity, equity, and inclusion.
1: Uh, everything you said is on point. It's absolutely true. And, and, and what you were saying is, you learned 11, at 11 years old, I can't hang out with idiots because I'm going to be a part of that. That I'm going to be part of that. I'm going to be an idiot too. And it's the same thing with those five thugs that we watch on camera. That's why it's so important. There's a vetting process. What the public does understand is, good cops weed out bad cops. It's so important that we have a a situation, a a recruitment process where people are vetted. And even with that, we're always going to have police officers that don't belong, that slip through the cracks. We have it in the NYPD. John, you've seen them. I've seen them. But what we do have is an ability that the majority of the, the police officers that are hired belong there. They're meant to be cops. So, If there was a group of five NYPD officers at a scene and one didn't belong, the other four would weed that person out. That incident would not happen because the other four would police their own and remove that person from the scene so that doesn't happen. And we've had this in place. This has been the integrity. This has been the morals and principles of the NYPD. You and I learned this in the police academy. And now that they came out with this and we did a podcast on it, this ABLE training. You know, which goes even further into stopping someone from taking bad action that you intercepted and in, 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 in intercede that. It's going overboard, but that was just pandering to the public. We didn't need that. We already had that in place. And that's why it's so important that they have a good candidate assessment recruitment process. If out of those five guys, if four of those guys had good morals and principles and they actually deserved to bear that uniform, then if there was someone there that was acting inappropriately, they would have removed them from the scene. They would have weeded them out and maybe try to train them to be better or they would have identified it and they would have cops talk and they would have said, listen, this guy doesn't belong. John, you and I have seen it many times. I've, I've been on scenes where I said, I don't like the way that guy moves and I, and I removed them from a the scene, especially as a supervisor. If I saw someone that did something that was inappropriate or improper tactics, I removed them right away. It was interest. But these Obviously, those five didn't have someone, they didn't have the majority of them were not belonging and they should not bear that shield. And there was no supervision. There was no one to weed them out. There was no one to check them. They went unchecked. It was just like completely dysfunctional, unorganized, and they just ran around with no leadership. There was no mission. But again, that's why I said this is an isolated incident. It, sh- it was handled, it should have been handled swiftly and not talked about, over and done with, and on to the next thing, and always analytical, as you said, and analyze it, and how do we better our department? Obviously, they could say at this point, we're having an issue. The majority of them have two or three years on the job. What's going on with our candidate process? Let's start reviewing it. Let's go back. Let's circle back, and let's make sure that we're going forward, we hire the best and most suitable, but that's not what's happening here. Again, the ultimate goal is legislation. Tear down police departments throughout the country. Where do you start? In democratic cities. Why? Because they're the ones that are tearing this country down. And they are enabling Antifa. They're enabling BLM. They're enabling all these organizations. You said it. We're all pawns in this game. We are. We're emotionally charged. And we're, you know, for some of the people out there, the public, who are not part of these organizations, they really believe that when they go out there protesting – Protesting, they're there to make change, and I encourage. If you want to be a protester, fine. And the police officers are mostly charged too because they feel, wow, look at all the pressure that's coming on me. I can't even do my job. And I saw it June 4, 2020, when I was at the riots. John, you and I talked about this off- offline. I was amazed that I got a civilian complaint. I thought I was going to get a medal. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I'll never forget when we had an all-out riot. There were people in that crowd that were in uncharted territory. They thought that they were legitimately coming there to protest. They were not part of Antifa. They were not part of BLM. They were not part of these organized groups. They actually came there to protest, and they found themselves swarmed and swamped in a riot. And for some of those people, I remember seeing that they were just in the wrong element. They were scared and couldn't believe what they got themselves into. And I covered them with my body and I shielded them. i never forget this, this one female. I covered her and shielded her. I said, listen, come with me. I got you. And I took her and I removed her from the scene. I got her to safety because she legitimately came there to protest. She was not a rioter, but she found herself in uncharted territory. And I'm sure she was confident. Wow. She thought she came there and had an ability to actually protest. But no, the rioters overshadowed that, and she never had the opportunity to voice her opinion. So we were there, and that's what people don't understand. We emotionally detached ourselves. We were there, despite opinions, to keep the peace. and we wanted people to be able to protest. That's why I served in a Marine That's why I served in a police department, so that we have those freedoms. But look where we are. We're at a point, and the pendulum has swung too far, and that's why John and I are out here sending these messages Because we need to come together to bring them back. We've heard some of these police experts and they pander to the politics. You ask me, they're a bunch of cowards because they're not giving the real information. John and I are giving you the truth. All right. And that's why we're met with opposition. We have a lot of fans out there. And they agree with us, and I appreciate the support. But we also have a lot of opposition out there because we're speaking the truth, and the truth hurts. And some people just don't want to hear it, and they don't want to hear it because they can't repeat that information themselves because they're afraid to. But we will not be afraid. We are going to give out the truthful information because that's the only way to move further.
0: Yeah. To the the protesters out there, I do have a lot of activists that listen to the show i have no problem with you protesting like i said i don't give a shit whatever your whatever your stance is on anything but i mean please have a goal you know when when you're sitting there saying no justice no peace what does that mean when you're asking for change what is the exact change you're looking for i mean are you just going out there because it's a fun thing to do that day to disrupt society um, I, I don't believe in that. You know, Like I said, I, I, I think the, the proper response for it, anyone who saw that video, candlelight vigil, something like that, calling out to the police departments to, to do a proper investigation into those officers and into their careers and into the failure that was highlighted. What failures led to these officers doing that? I mean, it's a big telltale sign when you have five guys there and not one intervenes, not one. You know, we talk a lot about integrity, a lot about it in the police department. Integrity, 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 integrity. I didn't see any integrity there. I didn't see any compassion for humanity there. I didn't see any guidance, anyone taking a leadership stance. I don't believe that any all any five of them should have ever been a cop. I mean, clearly watching that video. I mean, there's there's going to be a lot more issues that are going to come out about each one of those individual officers. And I guarantee and I don't know, have any inside information. I guarantee when you look at every single one of those police officers, you're going to say, holy shit, they shouldn't have been a cop the same way that that chief shouldn't have been in charge of that police department. Because we already saw what she did when she was a lieutenant. She went to a detective and tried to get him to get a pedophile off. And she's the chief of the Memphis, Tennessee Police Department, and and she, and, we're, and we're parading her around as she's inciting flames of violence. You know, and uh, I just want to read uh, Police com- uh, Commissioner Key Chance Sewell's uh, response to to the riots, and then I, I, you know, Eric, I'll let you end. You could talk about whatever you want at, at the end. Um, I think we beat it up enough that we're being. We're being led by our inferiors. We're being led in a bad light. And it's not, it's not going to end well. It's going to end with the death of policing, with a federalized police force, with, with unqualified, untrained, incompetent cops who are immoral, who are going to do things that you're going to say be the worst version of any lie that we've ever been told, that cops are out here murdering people. That will become true, where we will once again see corrupt systemically, forget racist, systemically corrupt. They will be racist against one thing and one goal only, their own benefit, making money, leading power, selling drugs, uh, murdering people, doing all of these things, working at the behest of the highest paid This is what we're doing. We're letting corruption seep into all police departments and it's got to stop. This is a very professional message from Key Chan Sewell. This should have been the message of the Memphis police chief. This should have been the message of the media stations going forward. This this is how an apolitical non-biased message and just not telling people to go out there and show outreach. So here it goes. The NYPD and the communities we serve are collectively outraged at the death of Tyree Nichols in the custody of the Memphis Police Department. The disgraceful actions depicted in the released video are unequivocal violation of our oath to protect those we serve and a failure of basic human decency. The officers involved have been terminated and charged with murder among many other offenses. Here in New York City, We will have an increased police presence over the next days to ensure people who choose are able to express themselves freely and safely our responsibility is to protect the constitutional right to peacefully assemble and protest while we understand appreciate and share the high emotional charge of this tragedy our department will never tolerate violence willful destruction or any other criminality we value the trust we work every day to build and solidify in our communities. The NYPD will support peaceful demonstrations while safeguarding our city's residents, commuters, and visitors. Keychan L Sewell, Police Commissioner, New York City Police Department.
1: You know what? I have been critical of the police convention on several times. I gave her kudos when it came to the initiation of her desire, you could say, for Wanted to revamp the discipline matrix, which I do believe is, is superficial. But this statement is fantastic. Fantastic! I give her a thumbs up when it comes to statement. This is exactly what I expected of the chief of Memphis. It's short, right to the point, and exactly that. No bias. It's not inflammatory. It says exactly what we, we should expect. We will not tolerate violence. Your right to a, a protest and assemble is your right. Justice was served. Cut it to the point. The chief statement of Memphis was completely inflammatory. It was the premiere to a movie. This statement should have been her, her, her statement. Absolutely. This was completely appropriate. And I believe that this statement, if it was, was put out by the chief of Memphis, uh, definitely would have helped the situation. So uh, gr- great job. I mean, it, it's, it's unfortunate, but she's just a figurehead. And she's never given an opportunity to actually be a police commissioner. So we don't know her capabilities. But we do know, like you said, I do believe that she's a rookie in this game and it needs a transition period. And I do believe that Mayor Adams cherry picks of what stuff he puts Commissioner Sewell out there in the public to address when it's something that's going to be highly prolific that's going to better his career or, or his campaign for mayoral uh, re-election. I think that's when he puts his face out there. Or maybe when he has an axe to grind with the police department or to affect his ag- agenda. Other than that, I think that Commissioner Sewell, unfortunately, is, is in the background and hasn't got an opportunity to show us what her capabilities are and spread her wings. So with that, thank you, everyone, for listening to us. I appreciate it. John, always a pleasure taking this ride with you. If, if We predicted this. It's unfortunate. I didn't want to predict someone's death, but we did predict the pitfalls of the hiring process that we have now post-George Floyd with the uh, target being on diversity. And, and again, we're not even sure what that means anymore, because if you look at the face of this operation with five black police officers, to me, that's not diverse. That's addressing black and brown but it's not diversity. So we need to go back to what, and ask ourselves what exactly is diversity? What exactly is the ultimate mission of the public? And here on, uh, oh on, my camera's flying away. But <laughs> yeah, here, <we> <laughs> well, here on our podcast, uh, we're a firm believer that ultimately the goal is qualified immunity. Have that removed to revamp the police department and go to a federal police force, which would be completely ineffective and inadequate. So thank you, brother.
0: Eric, Thank you, bro. Um, and one thing we didn't, we didn't, we didn't discuss. I just, you you just made me think of something. Uh, the last thing it's not just the hiring process. It's the promotion process that's taking people also that aren't ready to lead and be in supervisory roles and pushing them ahead and they're incompetent and incapable of doing it because they didn't have the time or didn't exhibit The leadership and skill that they needed to to be placed in those positions as well, which is also deadly, which could also lead to more of this. And we're seeing it right now. And I'm sorry, amongst the ranks in the NYPD, I see complete incompetence. I I absolutely truly, truly do. I mean, for them to turn their backs on on police officers that had careers like ours and not push us to the higher ranks and want to see us succeed but yet push us out just shows the telltale of what where we're headed and it's good you're gonna unfortunately see acts like this in new york city because incompetence is being replaced with checking boxes and yes you're right i i would like to see police Commissioner a key chance sue will lead but again i'll go back to it was she the most qualified i don't believe so i don't but we're here now and it is what it is Let's, let, let's make the best of what we have. Let's make the future better. And we're not going to do that without having an honest conversation. And by having an honest conversation, me and Erica are definitely going to get the platform from YouTube. We're definitely going to get the platform on a bunch of other things. So please, guys, I put all our stuff down at the bottom. Telegram, we're at hashtag the finest unfiltered. Follow us there. I post all the videos there as well. But please follow our Rumble channel, our Rumbles at the Finest Unfiltered Podcast. So please follow our Rumble. I keep asking you um, because the day might come, they might pull our audio down too. I mean, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on Amazon, we're on Pandora, we're on anything that you could do for the audio versions. But like I said, we're not going to censor ourselves. We keep getting messages. Um, that we're going to get the platform, that we're inflammatory, that we're inciting violence. I don't think any rational person could sit there and tell me how I'm inciting violence. I, I'm not even allowed to to dispute it. Um, they tell me they give me a button to dispute it and it goes nowhere. And I can't even give a message on why they're wrong. And like, how, how am I sending something that's in the news? And how is it inflammatory and inciting violence when it's on the news cycle all day? And it's on other YouTube channels. But but because we're talking about things that nobody else are They're telling us that we're inciting violence. So please, guys, I thank everybody for your support. Eric, thank you again, my friend. And, uh, you know, let's, you know, let's let's keep rocking. As things come up, we're going to keep talking about it. And we're going to say it, whether you like it or not, we're going to state our opinion. If you don't like it, don't fucking listen.